I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Welcome to Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 108 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about baseball and one lawyer you can trust. Okay, for this episode of the podcast, I'm going to try to tie together some things that at first are going to seem a little bit disconnected, but hang with me. Uh, We'll get to the end, and I'm going to bring all of these things together. Now, the first thing that I want to remind you of is last week's podcast, and I talked about lawyers, and I talked about the fact that if you want to understand the Constitution, for the most part, you don't want to ask a lawyer. They suffer from what I call JD impairment. You know, they go to law school and they think they know a lot, but they don't teach them anything about the actual history of the Constitution, what it was originally understood to mean. Uh, they're taught constitutional law, which is completely disconnected from the Constitution. So keep that in mind as we move forward. And another thing that I've talked about before is constitutional interpretation, and I'll post some links in the show notes page. I'll post last week's podcast if you haven't listened yet, and I'll post an article about constitutional interpretation. But in a nutshell, most people in America believe in this idea of a living, breathing constitution. But living and breathing is dead. In effect, the Constitution is a contract. You don't have living, breathing contracts. You would never have a living, breathing mortgage where the terms changed at the whim of the bank. Nobody would accept that. And the idea of this living, breathing Constitution is equally absurd. So how do we understand the Constitution? How do we interpret it? Well, we look at it through the eyes of originalism. And when we talk about originalism, at least when I talk about it, I mean looking at it through the eyes of the ratifiers. Those are the people that were elected to represent the population. They were the ones that agreed on behalf of the people that we should ratify the Constitution. And their understanding, the things that they were promised, the things that they were told, those were the things that they ratified on. That was the basis of ratification. So the things that we were told by the supporters of the Constitution during the ratification process, those that's what we look at to understand the Constitution. Now, when we do that, most Constitution constitutional issues are pretty clear-cut. We can understand exactly what the, uh, the supporters of the Constitution said that certain things mean. So we know for a fact that the general welfare clause was not a, uh, you know, a carte blanche 
power to legislate for any purpose under the sun as long as it has to do with the general welfare. We know it was qualified by the enumerated powers. We know that the necessary and proper clause was limited. We know from Madison's Federalist 45 that the powers delegated to the federal government were few and defined. So we can look at a lot of these things. We can look at the ratification debates, and we can make clear-cut answers on what certain things mean. But there are things that are a little bit muddy. Uh, Sometimes we can look at the ratification debates, and and maybe they were silent on that issue. One thing is immigration. You don't find much in the Constitution about immigration. Um, Recently, we've had a lot of controversy about President Trump calling up the National Guard and, in effect, calling up the militia to guard the border. Does the president have the power to do that? There is some legitimate debate about that issue. So when it comes to these uh, less clear things— do, do we have any way of interpreting the Constitution? Do we have any, any rules that we can use to help us guide, uh, to make good decisions about what the Constitution really means and, and what the powers of the federal government uh, actually are? Well, yes, indeed, those, uh, those rules of construction exist. Now, I'm going to pivot just a minute to the uh, game of baseball. I played baseball growing up. A lot of you probably did as well, and maybe you played softball. And there is a rule in baseball that actually can help us with constitutional interpretation. And this is the rule. The tie goes to the runner. So if you've got a base runner and and the base runner sliding into the base and the ball gets there exactly at the same time, or if the, uh, the baseman tags the runner the moment that his foot hits the base, that tie always goes to the runner. It's presumed that the runner is going to be safe. So if there's a question, the runner gets the benefit of the doubt. Well, we can apply this same idea to constitutional interpretation. This is pretty much how St. George Tucker said we should view federal power in his book, View of the Constitution of the United States. This is what he wrote. The powers delegated to the federal government are, in all cases, to receive the most strict construction that the instrument will bear where the rights of a state or of the people, either collectively or individually, may be drawn into question. In other words, the benefit of the doubt always goes to the states and the people. The federal government never gets the benefit of the doubt. If you have a question about whether the federal government can do something, if you have a question about federal power and it comes in conflict with the power of the states or of the people and you really don't know, there's no clear-cut answer, you should always decide in favor of the states and the people. The federal government is presumed to be limited. It is presumed to be strictly limited, and therefore you should always interpret the Constitution in that light. Now, most people don't do that. Most people give the benefit of the of the doubt to the federal government. And in fact, the whole system is built on this crazy idea that the federal government gets to determine the extent of its own power, which, of course, you know, the federal government is always going to find in favor of itself. But that's not how we should look at the Constitution. And I think St. George Tucker, he puts it so perfectly, so succinctly, and it really fits in with this baseball rule. Tie goes to the runner, tie goes to the states and the people. Now, you might be asking yourself a question, who the heck is St. George Tucker? Who is Mike talking about? Well, St. George Tucker was actually a lawyer. And this is where we have the exception to my never trust lawyer rule. He is the one lawyer that you can actually trust to tell you about the Constitution. Unfortunately, he's long gone, but he's left us with a great legacy of work that we can explore 
to help us understand the Constitution. Tucker was actually born in Bermuda, and at the ripe old age of 19, he moved to Virginia to, to study law under the famous George Wythe. Uh, Tucker entered the College of William and Mary when he got to Williamsburg, but after just six months at the college, he left to take private lessons from Wythe and ultimately passed the bar exam. Now, after the American Revolution, uh, Tucker became a professor of law at the College of William and Mary, so he was a law professor. Uh, not only that, he was a judge uh, and a jurist. He wrote an American edition of the American edition of Blackstone's commentaries that became a valuable reference work for many American lawyers in the 19th century. And in 1813, President James Madison appointed him to the federal bench as a United States District Court judge for Virginia. But where Tucker's most significant to me is he wrote the first extended systematic commentary on the Constitution after ratification. It was published in 1803, and it served as an important handbook for American lawyers, students, judges, jurists, and statesmen for really the first half of the 19th century. Now, we live in an amazing time when we have access to all kinds of things that you know people 30, 40 years ago would have uh, could have never dreamed of. You know, only academics had access to this stuff. You can actually download uh, Tucker's commentaries on the Constitution uh, for free. So there's really no excuse for not uh, reading Tucker, for not taking advantage of the opportunity to learn from this brilliant uh, early American legal scholar. And uh, you can also buy a hard copy of the book. It's not that expensive. And I actually did that. I, I like the book in my hand feel, but you go to it, download it. I'll put the link on the show notes page. Um, and, and here's one more really cool thing about Tucker. He was anti-slavery in Virginia. He actually favored gradual emancipation, and he, he wrote a tract titled The State of Slavery in Virginia. He wrote it in 1796, uh, long before there was really a well-developed abolition movement. And, um, you know, it's just pretty amazing because you know most people think that when you start talking about states' rights, when you talk about constitutional originalism, there's this assumption that all of these guys were horrible slavers and we don't have to listen to them because they didn't really care about liberty because they owned slaves. You can't pin that on Tucker. Uh, he was not a slaver at all. He was for liberty all the way around. So I still stand by my assertion that by and large, you don't want to trust lawyers when it comes to explaining and understanding the Constitution, but I make a giant exception for St. George Tucker. In fact, I highly recommend you read his writings. It's a great resource of originalism. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from a Hairy Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10th Amendment Center.com. And if you haven't done it already, please subscribe to the podcast over at iTunes. You can do that for free. And if you've done it already, leave me a nice review. It'll help my reach. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.